This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time but still found the time to create a course grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. I guess my first story was, uh, actually it came back to me. I had forgotten the story to be honest with you. Uh, it was interesting. There was a, so I was a paramedic supervisor in San Mateo County, which housed SFL. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, work at SFL. What's, what's SFL? San Francisco International Airport. Oh, okay. And, uh, we got a call that there was, uh, uh a tarmac injury on the on the jet on the taxiway um and they were requesting a supervisor and uh which is interesting it's not like uh it's not like the east coast you know like where you know hey you need a boss because it meets a protocol like when when a supervisor is requested in california it's kind of like someone did something right (laughs) (laughs) and and there is paperwork to be had um, and so I got there and they come to find out that, uh, that this, uh, packed, um, Pacific jetliner, um, had a tug. So, so the tug was pulling the jet out and this guy broke safety protocol and couldn't get the tow bar disconnected from the front, the front, uh, landing gear and the tug. And so he was jumping on it <laughs> and he jumped on it. And uh, he slipped, but the plane was in thrust, a little bit on thrust, and he couldn't get out of the way. And the nose gear ran over his leg. Oh my god! And it, and it was trapped like a like a kid would sit in a figure four with one leg out and one leg underneath the leg. And anyway, lots of lot lots of injury patterns. I don't know the rating of your show, but lots of injury patterns uh, to to say the least. And I was called to figure out how to get the plane off of the guy and it was a crush injury because it was was a long bone two long bones involved and uh he was losing blood and everything else like that and and we couldn't we literally could not figure out how to get this out you couldn't you couldn't move the plane because the plane was in hard shutdown because there's people on the plane and all these people are looking out over the windows like at us like around this guy and we're trying to what they ended up doing using some kind of hydraulic 
it, we were taking, we, we talked about using the airbags. We've used, we talked about bringing a field amputation surgeon down. We had a, a San Francisco fire rescue captain bringing a field surgeon down with a team. Uh, there, there, it was a whole thing. Anyways, long story short, the, uh, the plane was able to move a certain way without moving according to the FAA guidelines. It turned its nose gear. It, it created more damage, but we, we had tourniquets and crush protocol and this. And anyways, the guy ended up going into cardiac arrest several times to the hospital. He ended up living four months later. He comes up with a tin of cookies <laughs> to our place. And I, I was like, I had seen a ghost fast forward nine years, nine years. I was done. I was in Alameda County working the streets of Oakland as a director of super uh, director of operations. And this EMT that was probably 11 years old <laughs> walks up and says, are you, are you Mike Marsh? And I said, yeah. I was like, I heard about your story about the jet on the guy with the leg. And I said, what? Like, yeah, it's, a, it's in every curriculum. Like they talk about this and, and I'm like, Really? And I'm like, it took me a second. So those are the stories that you'll never believe. They're on video. They're on recording. But yes, those are who's stories. out there. Who's out there videoing this accident? Uh, the FAA, the closed circuit television. So all the FAA cameras and, you know, San Francisco International Airport cameras, they were all there. So we got cuts of those feeds. Now, yeah. last time uh, we talked, you were telling me about AMR. Um, just if you could just tell the audience what that stands for, because I didn't know. Oh yeah, so I uh, most of my career was working for American Medical Response or the, or the private industry. I mean, I cut my teeth a little bit with uh, paid coal fire. Um, was a was a small, compact little dude, and uh, and so I got to use the uh, I got to ride on the truck company, and it was a roof rat because I didn't put my my size fourteen feet through the through the walls in in the in the ceilings. So I got to spend a little time on on them on the fire department side just wasn't what I really wanted to do. And uh, lots of independent thinking uh, it was where I kind of was at. I love problem solving. And, and in the fire service, especially when you're really low, you, you're, you're, you're told what to do right. and you ask for permission. Um, Mike Marsh doesn't do well with asking for permission. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to private EMS and became a boss very quickly. And, uh, and, and I'm glad I did. It was, you know, I learned I learned a lot of respect for the firefighters. I mean, I'm, I think I'm one of very few people that can walk in and talk about their their chili cookoffs and and wall calendars and and not be negative about it. It's a it's a synergy that we have between the three disciplines that that creates the 200 years of tradition. So, <laughs> so tell us about all your different careers because you're a really interesting guy. So you've been fire service, private uh, private ambulance, and also tactical medic as well yeah so so uh, unlike east of the mississippi uh where there's a, a significant you know professional volunteer force that's out there that, that, that does great work and whatnot there's um in in the west coast um for instance in california like 65 percent of the delivery of ems is done by private um entities um and it's a very challenging relationship to have because you have on one side you have the fire department and the police department that that deal with prevention and preparedness and and you know and 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 cost effective in government is somewhat of an oxymoron but there is a cost you know there's a fiduciary responsibility that the, the chief officers do and then there's the privates which make a profit for calls for service right so they're they're paid for 
doing and demanding and staff analysis. And so blending the two together is a is a is a is a fine art of Rosetta Stone. Um, so uh, my career um, in California started in, you know, in the fire service, learned a lot about the stuff, became a paramedic. Um, and then I got my paramedic in San Francisco Department of Public Health. It was one of the last, I think it was the last third service that was done in the Department of Public Health before they merged with the fire department. Um, and then I learned there and then a big system. And then I just created, just kind of grew. One of my skill sets within the private industry was to start a special operations unit to support disaster response, mass casualty incident responses, you know, the fill and flow within the incident command system that the fire department was responsible for, um, but also produce a, a, a gap, a fill of a gap, which was long sustainability, SWAT call off, standoffs and stuff like that. And that just moved forward. And that was that was thrusted because I found myself on the wrong end of a sniper rifle because there was no interoperable communication of what were hot zones, cold zones, warm zones. And so um, wanting to never be in that situation again, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely found a way to uh, learn law enforcement. So I went through um, the only two specialist schools in California um, that post certified peace officer standard of training, and I became a tactical medic. And then from there, just moved through hurricanes and disasters and I basically, I just get really bored easy, <laughs> but I have cool. I, I love my teams. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and what do you do? Are you retired now? Or are you still like, what are you doing? Well, I, I, I left California after the end of a contract. So one of the privates that I was working for in Alameda County, which houses Oakland, the city of Oakland uh, and Fremont and Livermore and, and, and Haywards and all the big cities that are in that Northern, uh, Northern Bay area. Uh, that contract uh, ended. I I did not want to continue that lifestyle. The family and I made a decision at the end of that contract that we were going to leave the state of California. We moved to the state of Texas. Um, and so at one point in time in Alameda County, I was responsible for somewhat of 70, 60 to 70 ambulances, uh, four, four district captains, two uh, watch commanders at one point in time, our tactical medic unit that we had, our special operations medic units were deployed 24 hours a day, seven days a week in iron um, and, uh, you know, supporting the 23 different fire or police departments and fire departments. So I, it was a breakneck speed. Um, I couldn't live. I didn't make enough money to, to live in that area. So I commuted an hour and 45 minutes in one way um, oh to God. work. Yeah. So, so my, my soul was very thin. Um, my stress was very high. My blood pressure was extremely high. And after uh, delivering my second kidney stone into this world, I felt <laughs> it it's was like time for me. There was yeah. time for me to take a leave. So I, I left um, and we came to, came to Texas and I found this awesome public private partnership model in Arlington, Texas. Uh, loved it, fell in love with it. And then in March of 2020, we were blessed with COVID. And I started the whole breakneck speed of figuring it out on the fly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, and what's some been some of the challenges that you found in Texas? Like some of the obstacles? Uh, there's a very conservative approach to financial stability in this state, right? There's a very, there's a very... Uh, 
it's different politics, right? I'm right, wrong, or it doesn't matter to me. I'm not here for politics. I'm, it's just very different, right? So from, from California, it was very, uh, very big government, very, very, you know, let's help everyone out. Let's, let's take care of the transient population. Let's do mental health. Let's do that. Texas is very much, yes, we're involved in this, but we, we want you to try to figure it out first, right? And, and, and then we're going to put, you know, good money to good processes and, and good procedures. Um, is there a right or a wrong? No, it's just a different way of doing it. Um, but uh, everyone here, um, I thought the Bay Area drove really bad. Um, the people in the streets and freeways of the Bay Area drove bad. Texas is like the most horrible driving state in the whole world. Now, there are three <laughs> things that people ask me about Texas, right? They're like, what do you think about Texas? The top three. One, driving is, is an art of warfare, okay? Two, uh, when someone starts a story with you, whatever you had planned for the rest of that afternoon is now over. It is their time right. um, because that's Southern <laughs> respect right there. <laughs> and, and stories uh, can go on and, and on, on and right? On, right. And, and don't ever bring up In-N-Out Burger versus Whataburger in this state. Um, that is like a death sentence. <laughs> and a lot of people are carrying around guns in their, big, <laughs> ah, in their very large trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you shoot? Uh, I do. I do. I'm not a, a gun freak, but I, I, I believe in, in good quality gun control and good legislation. I'm not a big uh, gun guy myself, though I carry one. I'm not, I'm not I'm just not a big gun guy. I have a partner who has a bunker in his um, in one of his bedrooms. It is basically a bug out bunker with like safes and dozens and dozens of guns and he's just like we're the polar opposite he's just like he loves collecting and loves buying guns and i'm just like eh, one's good for me <laughs> i've got i've got two or three call it good i'm proficient i'm safe my family knows the rules we're safe we understand everything uh but yeah i feel like if i have to open up a walk-in vault i feel like maybe i could have directed money at different charities <laughs> What's uh, some of the advice that you have for people that are starting to feel like they're getting to that burnout point? Because uh, I know that you've had to, you've had to manage it and recover from it a couple of times now. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, while deployed to New York City uh, underneath the FEMA ground ambulance contract, I was a night uh, night branch chief uh, in the Bronx Zoo and lost a lost a paramedic to COVID, um, and. Um, we were trying to figure it all out. He was a older medic, very seasoned, been around for a minute. Um, the staff around us had been around for a minute. And then the other half of the staff was very young. Um, my advice. My advice is, is the younger generation have no problem talking about their feelings. Mm. We will put it on social media. They will talk about it. There will be polls on LinkedIn about how I should feel, <laughs> right? There's a lot of that, um, which is not downplaying that. I think it's, it, I think good communication is healthy. Um, but the older generation struggled. We, we struggled um, with PTSD. We struggled with uh, a, a full glass of water of memories. Um, I the suffered. Whole, the whole attitude of suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, the whole, you know, the whole wearing blood as, as a rite of passage on your uniform, you know, the whole, anyway, they, they, there's a whole thing out there. And I think that we have forgotten, we've done a couple of things in disservices. One, we have not treated EMS as an essential service, okay, because it is an essential service. Um, 
Two, um, I believe that um, healthcare is uh, mental health and healthcare need to be um, not a thing of, of, of to shy away from them. It, it's okay to seek out mental health. I think that um, my personal experiences is, is um, after many a night at the uh, at the empty end of a of a bullet bourbon bottle, um, contemplating life in general, um, you should never be in that position alone. And so when I find people, look, I'm I'm not the person you want to come cry to. If you're gonna cry and we're gonna have like engaging of moments and things like that, I'm like, this is cool. I'm gonna get you to Super Dave. Super Dave wants to talk about this, right? <laughs> I'm gonna make sure you get there. I'm not the guy that you want to talk to, but I'm going to make sure that that I'm I'm there for as any port, you know. It, I'm I'm port. very similar. I'm very similar. I <laughs> right. um, I I have empathy, but I'm not very sympathetic. And it's like I know, like, hey, I'm gonna send you to talk to someone else. <laughs> right. I, I think I think that there's just an understanding of where everyone comes from. It's like everybody has a path. Everyone has a history. Um, and you know, my three mantras are you know that I have I have taken with me for years and I have screwed up. I have not I am not I am not the greatest dude. I've learned a lot of things in error. And that is just at the end of the day, treat people as you wish to be treated. Run yourself and operate yourself above reproach because you're going to get called out on the carpet. And the third is is that we get to enter somebody's life that calls for service um, to help make it better regardless of what's occurring on in our life. And that is a blessing that not many people get. So, so take that as a true gift to help somebody. And then when you're done with that call, if you ain't getting it together and your partner is watching you stare out the window too long, you need to engage. You need to make it not a, not a stigma, right, to, to, to go and talk to somebody. I have a great mental health coach right now. Uh, she she came from a crisis unit in police. She she specializes in first responders. She's part of the All Clear Foundation and stuff like that. Um, you know, and she's just a she's she's a. You have to uh, you have to link us up so I can talk with her. She probably yeah, has absolutely. I, I so, will. She probably has so much to say about the topic. And she came from she came from the police side. And you want to okay. talk about you want to talk about a service that pushes stuff down. Talk to a SWAT guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The toughest of the tough the tough guys. Um, but everyone hurts, everyone hurts too, right? And everyone needs help. And I know you have so many stories. Um, looking back, it, it, what kind of advice would you give the, your 18-year-old self if you could give him three pieces of advice? Just slow down. <laughs> Just You will turn around at 48 and look back at a at, at a hope hopefully not a wake of destruction just trying to get through the wall or over the wall to some self-perceived finish line right i wanted to do it all i wanted to do it all i never wanted to miss out on on the on the officer involved shooting or i never wanted to miss out on the standoff or the SWAT call out or putting on the tactical gear or or work in the huge big fire or or the mass casualty incident, which sounds horrible when you say it out loud. You know, you don't never, no, you never it, wish that on somebody. It, it doesn't because I got onto the job slightly after the TWA crash uh, that happened on Long Island. Mm -hmm. And I got on and I had always wanted to work that site. And people had said that they were there for days, you know, working, working that incident and working that crash. And I was always like, damn, I missed out on that one. And it, it does sound a little sick when but if you're in the field you understand i understand where you're coming from 
Yeah, it does. And it and and so I think just I think just if I were talking to myself, I would say you you the man upstairs is going to put you where you need to be. Stop fighting it. So learn every day, treasure every day, understand that you are probably not going to end 200 years of tradition of end fighting between agencies, but you can treat people with respect and understand where they're coming from and what their love language is so that you can help take something off of their plate. I trained a lot of supervisors and I said, hey, you know the best thing to do to become a wanted supervisor at the end of a, a command board at the fire department or police department as a private is just be seen and not heard. And then when they turn around, you are there to take something off their plate and you know how to do it. And then you follow through with it, right? It's trust. It's a, it's a, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood that is like, is a small world. So do not mess up the bed (laughs) and just slow down. That's great advice. Uh, What's your next project? You working on anything coming up? Yeah, I am. Is it top secret? No, gosh, no. Well, yes, absolutely, because that makes everyone want to know me. So they're going to contact me, right? No, I wish it was. I'm doing some functional exercise, uh, some mass casualty active shooter functional exercise responses and how to integrate EMS into those into those NFPA 3000s and how to work and interoperability, um, to working on some, uh, some, some disaster project. You got me inspired to look at a speaking opportunity. I have not spoken in front of a crowd of people for more than five years, and someone just shoulder tapped me, and I was like, "It's really weird." Super Dave said something about that, right? I got maybe I thank should you. look into it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, um, I really appreciate you coming on. How how can people find you if if they want to tap you for more speaking opportunities, you know, especially in the EMS world or first responder world, because you've been in so many different fields. Is LinkedIn the best way or something else? You have a website? LinkedIn is my only social media. Um, All my children make fun of me that I'm a boomer um, because it's the only thing that I use. Uh, But it's the (laughs) only thing I've been been able to master. So I'm on LinkedIn. I do have my own website, uh, marshemsconsulting.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just appreciate the opportunity. And if I can, if I can make it okay for someone to talk to somebody else, or I can make it okay to jump on an ambulance and have a bad day, uh, you know, and, and recover from it. You know, I thank you for the opportunity for my voice to be out there. I well, I want to thank you for that. your decades of service. It, it, I really appreciate everything that you've contributed to this great country of ours. And I want to ask you five last questions rapid fire. What's your definition of a hero? Most important question for me. Someone that is willing to lay down their life for someone they don't know. That's my definition too. Uh, And when stress is at its highest and you're starting to feel kind of low, how do you save yourself? How do you show yourself love? I I have a demarcation line where I call someone that I trust to tell me that it's okay to feel that way. And then from there, I show myself love by disconnecting and walking my property with my wife. That's smart. That's really good. Um, would you ever consider coaching other people that are coming along that want to follow in your footsteps? I'm trying to help people get into the EMS industry. If I coach them, I feel like I would drive them away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you could yes. focus on your love for it and not and kind of just leave out like the bad stuff or, or, <laughs> or maybe you could prepare people mentally for what's about to happen, you know, cause uh, I heard a story recently, someone joined the police Academy, went through the whole Academy, took the test, graduated. And then once he was doing the job, 
he was going from call to call and uh, he said, you know, I didn't sign up to be a secretary and, and, and go from call to call. I was like, what'd you think you were signing up for? <laughs> no one, no one told you what you were signing up for. So maybe you could do something where you're actually instructing people on what the job actually is and what they're signing up for. Because a lot of people in the police side don't realize that, a lot of it is just report taking, like you're showing up, you're listening to people, and then you take a report and you document the incident. Like that's 90% of the job, 99% of the job, right? Um, it's not the clips that make the news. It's mostly just showing up, like you show up to a domestic dispute and it's he said, she said, she said, I wasn't cooking the food right, you know? <laughs> and I told her she could leave. And then you just document that on a domestic report and then you leave and you go back two hours later. We're still arguing. We're still fighting. <laughs> and now they've got flour over their face. And yes, and <laughs> yes, yes. And you're like, I'm sorry. Well, one of you have to come with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and just for fun. Well, actually, the last two questions. What's your what's your power? Like, what's your ability, your best strength? Deconfliction. Deconfliction. What do you mean by that? Break that down. Problem solving. Problem taking, solving. Take, taking people's problems within a response environment where they're all pointed in the same direction, but they don't think they are, and deconflicting them so that they show linear synergy. Okay. And just for fun, if you had a comic superpower, because that's why I'm super Dave, well, what would your superpower be and why? Like a comic book superpower. Is there is there a is there a bourbon drinking power? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think my 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 superpower is is making people laugh at me. Okay, okay. So so you'd be a um, what's it called when you? Yeah, I always forget this word. The comic relief. <laughs> Self-deprecating comedian. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of strength and a lot of knowledge, but where I, where, where, where my inner glow, where my inner glow, you just made me think, where my inner glow burns its brightest is when people are, are gathered together, sharing stories and, and the words, do you remember when Marsh did this and we were all there? And, <laughs> <laughs> and bourbon was involved. <laughs> maybe, I'm maybe, not. maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe responsible drinking please <laughs> mike i really appreciate you coming on uh thank you so much all right all right family i hope you enjoyed this episode everyone i interview i've chosen for you guys because of their story and i hope that you get some value every single time if you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.